You're listening to the Conversation Corner podcast. Join the hosts of the Conversation Corner as they interview a variety of influential leaders about a plethora of topics aimed at empowering, inspiring, and ultimately activating individuals ready to make their aspirations a reality. Welcome back, Conversation Corner family. It is a pleasure to be here. I'm your host, Christoph Coran. I am here today with best-selling author of eight books, international speaker, college professor, TV host, survivor of stage four cancer, and a fun fact for you, he is the cousin of none other than the legendary entertainer Prince, Dr. Eddie Connor, how are you today? Wonderful, brother. Glad to be with you. Glad to have you on the podcast. Yes, sir. So to get started, we're going to jump right on in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, um, I'm a son of the city of uh, Detroit, that is. And, uh, you know, so I got to greet you and your audience with the words, what up, though? (laughs) uh, There we go. (laughs) Yeah. um, And I'm just a person who is all about overcoming obstacles, face some uh, tough trials and situations in my life and been able to translate that as a as a speaker, as a, a writer of multiple books, but also uh, as someone who is just a servant. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the greatest among us are the servants. So, um, rolling up my sleeves and being able to help out in my community, so on and so forth, do some good in my neighborhood. Yes, sir. So, uh, been able to bless to do that locally as well as globally. Well, let's talk a little bit about the cancer story. Yeah. That's pretty big. Yeah. When did all that start? You know, uh, I was a just a regular precocious 15-year-old kid, and, um, you know, uh, my favorite two classes growing up in school were gym and lunch, <laughs> you know. Yes, sir. Wanted to chase the girls in gym, wanted to eat with them at lunch, and I'm uh, growing up without uh, my father. My parents are divorced at this time, and, um, you know, it was hard to play a role when you weren't given a script, so to sure. speak. And so um, my mother's raising myself and my, my younger brother, and... Um, I'm dealing with these chest pains, not necessarily knowing what was going on. And, you know, as, as males, we're taught to grin and bear. You know, you fall off a bike at four. Absolutely. You know, stop crying. Be a Get man. Up. No, I'm, I'm four. I'm not 44. Yeah. <laughs> so teach me what to do after I cry. And so um, I was crying internally, mm-hmm. you know, uh, silently screaming, so to speak. And um, facing and dealing with these chest pains, not necessarily knowing what was going on. And I'm over at my friend's house watching a football game can't breathe by halftime so his mother takes me to the hospital my mother catches up and meets us there and uh, they do surgery they as a matter of fact they take me take me to do an x-ray immediately to see what is going on in my mm-hmm. body uh, they see that there's a mass and they need to investigate so they uh, open me up uh, surgically and they f- see that there's a mass growing in my my chest around my heart trachea esophagus and uh, they see it growing so aggressively that they can see it growing with the naked eye mm-hmm. a tumor and I uh, felt great coming out of surgery. The doctor says, Eddie, you have, uh, have NHL. Now, National I mean, Hockey League. National Hockey League. That's what I <laughs> thought it was. So I'm getting ready to be the youngest over of the National Hockey League team. You know, I, I really don't like the sport, especially seeing nothing but white players hit something black. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, doctor says, no, you have uh, non-Hoskins lymphoma. And, you know, I'm, my first language is Ebonics. I'm still trying to learn English. <laughs> I'm from the east side of Detroit. So he says, uh, you've got stage four. I'm thinking it's four dollars uh, for cancer, so uh, you know it's okay to Kevin Hart me laugh at my pain, but um, it was a very uh, precarious time and 
chemotherapy, radiation five days a week. Um, but cancer, yes, it made me cry, but it didn't make me quit. Mm-hmm. Faith in God, of course, a supportive mother, strong woman as she is, praying woman. Wouldn't be here today without her uh, support and, of course, uh, God's healing power. So, Well, that's a powerful story because so many of us give up once we look at the cards that we've been dealt. Yeah, We give up before we even start the game. Yeah. And how long did the cancer um, stay with you? So it was 15. Everything got started. You learned of it. Right. When were you cancer-free? Age of 17. So it was a two-year or- ordeal for me. Mm-hmm. Um, out of school my sophomore year on the homebound program. And uh, it looked a little murky in regards to if I was going to graduate from, co- from high school with my class, mm-hmm. you know, that I came in with. Uh, but um, by the grace of God, I was able to do so. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you are doing now. As a kid, did you always see yourself being who you are today? I thought I was the second coming of Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I really wanted to uh, play sports or be a sports broadcaster, or uh, I think I even dabbled in the whole idea of either being an architect or, or mm-hmm. an astronaut. So uh, to a certain degree, I guess I did become an architect. I had to build my own future. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see myself doing what I'm doing now. You what know. did you see yourself doing? I really didn't know. When I you mean, went I, to college, yeah. so you graduated from high school, what did you go to college for I went in to your e- undergrad? I went to Eastern, and mm-hmm. I, I did my major in, in history. The only reason I went to college was to get out of my mama's house. <laughs> That's I'm a good serious. reason. That's I'm a serious. good reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I really uh, didn't know who I was really as a kid. Um, you know, I just beat cancer, wanted to kind of keep that story to myself. Sure. Never wanted to tell anybody about that. And I had to break out of my own shell of, you know, kind of being uh, real reserved, quiet. Well, how did you do that? There's a lot of reserved and quiet, you know, there's a lot of talk today about introverted versus extroverted. And introverts can't really be successful because they are in that shell. But really, introverted people are some of the most successful people in the world if you look throughout history. How did you break that shell? And, I mean, you speak to thousands of people all around the world. How did you break out of that shell? You know, when I really began to uh, be placed in situations that I, I really had to grow up in, mm-hmm. you know, I, I almost had, I almost dropped out of college mm-hmm. because I did not have the financial resources to stay there. You know, my mother had enough money for me to go my first year, mm-hmm. but she told me, "Hey, you're gonna either gonna find a way to stay up there that sophomore year and the years continuing." Well, you're going to come home. And if so you, you come really home. you really didn't want to go home. Right? I didn't want to go home. But she said, if you come home, you're not going to just live in my basement for free. You're going to work to pay some rent. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I, I had to literally man up. Mm-hmm. And I had to find a way to stay in a place where I said, you know what? This is my life now. This is my lot. I've got to grow through this. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's kind of like placing an egg in 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 uh, water, you know, if the water gets to the egg outside of the shell, mm-hmm. within the shell, you know, it it uh it will destroy it. Mm-hmm. But the the egg hardens based on the the outside of the circumstance affecting that egg. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much what takes place on the outside of you as what takes place on the inside of you. Mm-hmm. Outside of the circumstance that you're in, what is the resounding part of you on the inside that's going to give you the victory to break through? Mm-hmm. So uh, finding that and being able to relay that message and, and saying, you know what, I, I've got confidence in myself. 
I am somebody. I've got value. And I also have a story to be able to share with somebody, let them know that you can move your life and, and navigate to a greater level of life if you just stick to it. Well, tell me this. You know? Confidence is such a key component of finding yourself and walking in purpose. So how did you put yourself in the position to, to feel that confidence? What were some of the things that you did in college to help bring out that, that passion and that voice that you have today? Well, many of the things I did, I, I actually, um, to stay up as a student in college, I became a resident advisor. Mm. So I placed myself literally in a leadership role, mm-hmm. not necessarily knowing that I possess leadership abilities. Mm-hmm. So I'm, a, I'm the head of a hall, you know, 30 plus individuals, mm-hmm. uh, probably more than that, double that. And uh, I literally had to learn my way while I'm moving in a way right. forward. Right. You know, a lot of times we think we have to have it all figured out before we take the step. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're learning as you're going. And that's mm-hmm. all right, too. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to mess up. You're going to stub your toe. You're going to hit your head on some things. That's most of the time. Yeah, that's most <laughs> of the time. And, um, but you have to fail forward sure. and be comfortable doing that. You know, the only way you're going to be successful is to uh, experience more failures in many cases than a success. Right. But that story is that, that those failures help you to write the story of success. So, um, you know, just placing myself in, in things that are uncomfortable. You know, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable but also uncomfortable with being comfortable. Say that one more time. That's, yeah, you, that's deep right there. You got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but also be uncomfortable with being comfortable. Nobody likes to be uncomfortable. Nobody does. We want comfort in today's world in everything we do, and I think that just that halts any yeah. progress. You say fail forward. Well, you're just failing back every single day. Yeah. You're comfortable. Yeah, uh, You really are. So let's fast forward. You did that. You did your undergrad. So then you went to grad school. What made you take that leap? Really what made me take the leap is uh, I was a teacher at this time. You know, I was I was a teacher for 12 years in high school. Some some people would say I was 12 years. (laughs) (laughs) But um, uh, I. I was literally forced to do my master's. You know, mm-hmm. you got mm-hmm. you have, you have to, to meet certain protocol, you know, if you're going to maintain your job. It's not sure. something that I wanted to do. I literally had to do it. Mm-hmm. But if I had not done my master's degree in education, I would not have developed a, a mentorship program for young males. So let's talk about yeah, that called for Boys a second. To Books. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about yeah. that. What, what is Boys to Books? Well, Boys to Books is really is a, is a nonprofit uh, venture of mine, which is all about using books as a bridge to help young men navigate uh, from boyhood to manhood. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I wish I had a transitional program for me that I was involved in, like the the AAMI program. Shout out to Caleb Jordan. Yes. Uh, you know, Moses couldn't go in, only Caleb could. <laughs> so uh, he's, he's literally pushing young brothers into the promised land, as his name suggests. Yes. So I wish I had a program like his, African American Male Initiative, right here in Tifton, Georgia, at, Af- at uh, Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College to really help me to navigate that way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so I created it in many cases to kind of uh, speak to my 13, 14, 15-year-old self yes. that went silent for so many years. And um, based upon that work to uh, bring the program into many schools, mentoring young males, showing them that reading is not effeminate. Mm-hmm. You know, readers are leaders. 
If you're going to lead, you got to be able to read. You know, and, and understanding as well uh, the whole aspects of what it takes to be, what's the difference between a male and a man? And how to make that transition, especially in a world that we're living in with a racist ideology, you know, negativity that is continually going on where, you know, uh, shoot, you can only be hot chocolate on a menu, but not in their view. Sure. At a Starbucks, you see, which is literally a microcosm of what's going on in America. Mm-hmm. So uh, helping, uh, you know, our young brothers to make that that transition and some of the work that I did became an, the impetus for President Obama's My Brother's Keeper initiative when I worked as a as a uh, political advisor in Congress, uh, HRES 721, uh, in 2012, which helped to set the blueprint for uh, President, former President Obama in 2014. So... Um, the reason I do it, the reason I developed that is because of what I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the greatest programs yeah. that have ever been created have been from similar stories. People yeah. creating something that they didn't have. Yeah. I, when I speak, I tell a lot of people, you know, there's people out there. If you haven't found your purpose, you have to find it. Mm-hmm. You need to be more afraid of not reaching the people that are waiting for your message to ultimately reach their full potential and, and go to that next level. You ought to be more afraid of not reaching them than you are failing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, because if you just stick to where you are and you're complacent, you've already failed. So what do you have to lose? Sure. And that's what you have to think about. Mm-hmm. So how long has uh, that mentorship program been in existence? It's been in existence since 2010. So this is the eighth year. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Reading is so important. Very important. Knowledge is power, but only if you use it. Yeah. But in order to use that, you have to read. You have to know stuff. And, yeah. you know, you have to learn beyond school. You have to learn beyond the math and the English you learned in, you know, K through 12. And if you go to college, you know, real pure knowledge is not taught in school. What you really need to know in life to be successful just isn't taught there. Yeah. There's something you have to go out and find for yourself. I, I, hate, I hate school, but I love education. Yes. You know, and, yes. and you know, school. Uh, edu- There's a difference. Yeah, absolutely. You know, formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. And so especially uh, with this whole literacy piece, um, it is so um, transient, especially when you think about the city that I live in, Detroit, has a 60% literacy rate, mm-hmm. So the, uh, which means that most people are not able to ascertain information beyond the fourth grade reading level. Mm-hmm. And so that affects uh, jobs, joblessness. That affects... Uh, the way uh, how much people earn that even has a, a school to prison pipeline connection mm-hmm. so uh, and you know we always talk about the dropout rate but in many cases there's a push out rate yes. where uh, our young people are just forced from grade to grade because nobody want to deal with them nobody want to teach young Trey and, and young Ray Ray yeah, you know how true. to read you know and in many cases the parents have a disdain at school because of how they were treated mm-hmm. you know and so now that is forcibly fed and so the the whole cycle of illiteracy incarceration uh, continues. So uh, I believe it's time to break the cycle, and I'm trying to do what I can as well as you and, and many others like Brother Caleb are doing the same as well. Well, the message is also we have to learn how to adapt. Yeah. You know, just taking Detroit as an example, it was a community that was based around manufacturing. Right. You know, right. You, you could drop out of school early and make a great living working in a manufacturing company. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. I think a lot of people hold on to things in their life that used to be. It's just not that way anymore. The right. times have changed. 
The ship is different. We're mm-hmm. in different waters. Mm-hmm. You need a different boat. You need yeah. something different that's going to propel you to the next level. And reading is something that you can do right now, today, at this moment, that can change your future for the better. Yeah. I mean, instantly. It really can. Absolutely. So let's move on and talk about, you know, what success is to you. You know, uh, success is more than a dollar sign or a cent sign over the S and the C. Uh, I think it really is about being uh, significant, about making an indelible mark that can't be erased. Um, You know, um, Dr. King suggested that everybody can be great because anybody can serve. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need to make your subject and your verb predicate agree. You don't need to make uh, a certain amount of money. All you need is a heart. And a soul generated by love is what he suggested. So um, being able to make that that impact, you know, everybody has a birthday. We get happy about that and celebrate our birthday like it was a national holiday. <laughs> Every you know, year. Right. We don't know what our death date is, but we have a dash mm-hmm. in between that. And as long as we live, we need a dash towards that purpose. And uh, that, that really, that dash signifies what did I do in the space and the time that I was alive. Mm-hmm. So um, being able to roll up my sleeves and, and impart into the next generation. You know, you're not a success without a successor. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, knowing that you have a gift, stirring that gift up and uh, working to help somebody, you know, as you pass along. Mm-hmm. So your living won't be in vain. That's success to me. Yeah. Let's move on to another topic I kind of want to hit. And it has to do with how you present yourself in dress. You dress very well right now. Appreciate it. You're a black man in America. Yeah. And right or wrong, people equate the way you present yourself with how they will treat you, you know, from this day on. So if you look a certain way, that is how you will be treated, whether it's right or wrong. I actually heard you say something on your Instagram. I think it was yesterday. And I don't think that you meant this in a profound way. You might have, and Mm -hmm. we'll talk about it. But you had just gotten off the plane, I think, in Atlanta. Yeah. And you were dressed as someone in Michigan. You know, yeah, you had a yeah. lot of layers on. <laughs> and you said, dress for where you are going, not just where you've been. Mm. And I said, you know what? That's a lot deeper <laughs> than that moment right there. You can take that and yeah. you want to expand on that a little bit? I yeah. mean, that's, that's deep right there because if you can dress the part, you have to dress the part, look the part, act the part before you can get the part, right? When you're applying for a movie role, you have to go in there and act for the role that you want. You just don't get it and then practice it, right? You have to be there already. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, yeah, as I was was boarding that plane and stepping off of uh, 30-degree better weather (laughs) here in uh, Valdosta slash Tifton, um, you know, I, I realized I had a scarf and a hat on. And I was in Detroit mindset when I should have yep. been in Georgia mindset. <laughs> uh, but where I, I had to dress where I was, where I was. <laughs> but I had to remove what I didn't need for where I am. <laughs> it's, it's crazy as that sounds. Um, but I think that that is indicative of life. You know, uh, what got you to that level is mm-hmm. for that level. Yep. What's going to take you to where you need to be is going to require a better you. It's going to require a better me. So... Um, I think it's, it's indicative of life. You know, dress for success, dress the way you want to be addressed. As you see, I got a tie on, and I told the brothers today that you're tied to success. Um, however, a lot of times we, we judge people 
uh, we don't even know them. You know, we judge people and we ain't even got a law degree. Absolutely. You know, and in many cases, that's how society is. And, uh, you know, we tell our young men all the time, hey, this, uh, this is how you speak to officer. This is what you wear. This is what you don't wear. Uh, and in many cases, that still isn't good enough because as long as you are in this skin, uh, you're going to still face some, some, some racial injustice. Um, however, yes, dressing does get you into a, a particular door, particular avenue, um, and being able to present yourself appropriately. Um, and, you know, I think especially as an African-American male, there's a duality to us. Mm-hmm. One is from the environment, we know how to speak our language. Mm-hmm. But there's always, there's a level of code switching now. Mm-hmm. In order for me to, to, to rake in a certain amount of level of cash, in order for me to move to a level of capital, in order for me to make an ascension in society, I now have to go and operate and look the part in order to play the role. Yes. So um, helping our young men to know that, but also to still be who they are, not to lose their identity in that, and to be proud of who they are as well. Um, but I think it also brings... Uh, a level to us for us to understand uh, that as, as, as we seek to go higher, there are some things that we're going to have to shed, we're going to have to get rid of, mm-hmm. we're going to have to remove out of our space, out of our life, in order to be able to go to the next level. You know, it's, it's like a space shuttle going into orbit. Mm-hmm. In order for it to go into orbit, it's got to let go of the rocket boosters. Mm-hmm. There are some things in your life you just got to let go of uh, to grow. You know, in order to grow, you got to let it go. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, you've got two books right here in front of yeah, us. Yeah. Uh, one is called Woman. Uh, the other is called My Brother's Keeper. Mm-hmm. You have eight books. You just came out with Woman. Is that correct? Yes, sir. You want to yes, talk sir. a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, Woman just came out on uh, International Woman's Day, which is March, this past March the 8th. And, you know, um, I, I define uh, woman uh, really as wonderfully orchestrating magnanimous achievements naturally. That's my I like that. For it. Yeah. I like that. So nice. So I'll say it twice. Uh, wonderfully <laughs> orchestrating magnanimous achievements naturally. 2018 is the year of the woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply because real women don't compete. They collaborate. You know, uh, real women wear their crown. They build their queendom uh, in the kingdom of God. Uh, and especially in this context, this climate, this the crux of what we've been dealing with in our world, especially you think about harassment and, and uh, ill uh ill-equipped treatment towards women. This book is just really a, a resounding, sincere salute to women. If, mm-hmm. if you could sum it up in three words, it is this, you are enough. Mm-hmm. You know, your dream is enough, your joy, your peace, your purpose, your promise. Who you are is enough, the outside of you is enough. Why should there be, why should 2% of women on magazines and TV screens control how 98% of women feel about themselves? Mm-hmm. You gotta love the skin you're in. You know, a pretty face plus an ugly attitude make you a pretty ugly person. Won't get very far. At all. And so uh, knowing that you could, don't have to compete with your sister, you can collaborate with her, is really what it's all about. And so, I think men should probably read that book. That's it, a powerful it, message for men. It is, and I, I, there are some particular parameters in, within the book that I'm speaking to men as I am writing to women, too. Mm-hmm. You can't spell woman without man anyway. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so not only is it for them, it's for us too. It's, it's interesting. A woman came from a man mm-hmm. to begin creation. You think in Genesis, but now women birth men. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? So, um, you know, you think about that and, and uh, bring some rationality to it. And so, I really want to write that. I was so 
uh, taken aback and surprised and just thankful that the book debuted number one uh, on Amazon uh, recently. So Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's a blessing, man. I mean, yes, I knew the book would be re- read locally, but you just hope it, pray it's read globally and in places like Portugal and South Africa and Australia, mm-hmm. Denmark. I'm like, I'm just a brother from Detroit, man. <laughs> I made a mark in Denmark. It's a blessing. So uh, Now you yeah. have to travel to those places. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'd love to. It's going to be a long plane ride, but I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about your other book here, My Brother's Keeper. Yeah, yeah, My Brother's Keeper is number two of number eight. and um, I love the cover page. Oh, thank of you. both books, yeah, actually. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, y- you know, um, Dr. King says this. He says... Uh, he said the, the fact of if we fail to live together as brothers, we'll perish together as fools. Mm-hmm. Malcolm X says nobody can give you freedom, justice, or equality. Nobody can give you anything if you're a man, take it. And so this is really uh, an onus to really empower our boys, our men, and, of course, the women who love them, who have them in their households and in their life, to really speak to the inequities and the, the inequality of what is going on with our, our racial inequity and identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking about the in, the injustice system with the incarceration epidemic, mm-hmm. you know, America houses ninety five percent of the world's prison population, mm-hmm. so it's really really incarceration nation. Um, of course, black and brown men are at the, the at the helm of that. It's big business. Yeah, big business, big business it is, and prisons are built based on second and third grade reading scores. Mm-hmm. They gauge how many beds they need to build, uh, and prisons they need to do build based on that. So. Um, Speaking to that whole aspect, and then of course literacy, and just some of the the parameters of what it takes for uh, our men to become men, strong men, positive and powerful men. And so, um, just kind of a uh, another sincere salute to our brothers who are already doing dynamic things, but also to call our men, you know, to to move up and move forward. You know, you think about anything in in scripture when God, when Jesus ever healed a, a woman, it was always something physically in her body. Mm-hmm. Whenever Jesus healed the man, it was always a restoration of his vision. Mm-hmm. And so this book is a, a restorative aspect to really rekindle the vision that we have as men. And, of course, when you have vision, provision is coming too. Absolutely. That is the one thing that black America has yeah. lost in this day and time. Yeah. And one thing that I preach a lot about to today's millennials is you have to, if you don't know, you can't see where you're going yeah. you know what are you doing mm-hmm. you know black men especially we don't have vision a lot of us are raised by single mothers mm-hmm. we don't have mentors we don't have men in our lives that help us de- develop and to become a man a lot of being a man is what's on the inside yeah. and that's what yeah. you've been talking about yeah. and we don't develop those inner things mm-hmm. so that our outer man mm-hmm. can be all that it needs to be mm-hmm. um, and I think that your books here really dive into that key message and that's an important message that a lot of our males today not just black but males in general need to realize collaboration is key if you look at any story in the bible god never told one man to do something Mm. he wanted a group to do it jesus himself had 12 disciples he didn't need them (laughs) but he had a group he had a group you know there's something about when two or three or four or five or six you have collaboration amongst men. Mm-hmm. You really can accomplish things. You look yeah. at people like Malcolm X, had a community with him. Mm-hmm. Look at people like Martin Luther King, he had a community with him. Nelson Mandela, a community of backers. Mm-hmm. And whenever those men went through 
you know, trouble and try, uh, trouble um, situations, they always had other people, strong mm-hmm. people to fall back on. Mm-hmm. To, it's hard for everybody. Everybody gets depressed. Everybody gets sad. Everybody feels like they can't go on. Everybody at some point in time feels like, you know what, today might be the day that I give up. Yeah. But yeah. that circle that you keep is what kind of keeps you going mm-hmm. on and on. And Jesus was that guy. Everybody needs a friend like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because whenever the disciples didn't believe, they lost the faith, they said, Jesus, what, why are we doing this? He always reeled them back in. Yeah. And that's what you need in your circle. Your circle mm-hmm. is very, very powerful. Absolutely. Talk about some of the mentors that you've had coming up that helped you gain the wisdom. Because a lot of what you talk about is wisdom. Knowledge is key. Mm-hmm. But when you have the wisdom to back the knowledge, you, you are a dangerous weapon. Yeah, yeah. You know, life teaches us in two ways, mistakes and mentors. And, of course, uh, it's better to learn from the, the mistake of the mentor than to try to mm-hmm. chart your own path and make your own mistake. And so uh, my grandfather, uh, God rest his soul, uh, Harry Smith Jr., um, was the ardent mentor in my life. You know, when my father wasn't there, when he was present physically but absent spiritually, mentally, socially, and all those other alleys mm-hmm. of life, um, he stepped in. You know, he taught me this. He says, you'll never have, you, he's told me you'll never have to tell anybody how good you are. If you're good at what you do, they'll tell you. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, he taught me how to tie a tie and just the, some of the avenues of, of uh, how to be a positive male role model. There was another place in time in my life where I was uh, s- dealing with uh, the ramifications of cancer. In many, in many cases, it was more of a battle psychologically than it was physically. Mm-hmm. And my homebound teacher, uh, her husband, white man, stepped into my life mm-hmm. and helped me through a, a very tough time and, and transition and just kind of just took me under his wing and took me to my first baseball game and and I said hey you know I don't look like you but just because I don't look like you doesn't mean I don't I can't invest in you yeah you know so um, sometimes God puts people in your life who are from a different background different avenue who don't even look like you but they come to make deposits not just take from you as mm-hmm. making withdrawals. So those type of individuals in your life, you know, who are not whiners but are winners, who are not warriors or who are warriors, who are not chumps but champions, not chickens but equals, mm-hmm. uh, will help you to soar and move your life to the next level. So I'm I'm grateful for them and uh, especially for the other powerful women who have stepped in my life to uh, nurture and develop who I am. Well, you heard it from Dr. Connor. You've got to open up your banks, folks. Yeah. Accept those deposits. And that is so true. We, we, for some reason, always position ourselves to be around people that drain you and just withdraw everything from you yeah. each and every day. And we throw out those opportunities where God sends us those people that are willing and able to make those deposits. And we just feel like we're never, ever ready. Mm-hmm. And you're never ready for the next level. You're never ready for the things that God has for you, but he's going to put you through the training camp to prepare you if you would just accept the mission at hand. Oh, for sure. He will prepare you. I've had a really great conversation with you today, Dr. Connor. Is there anything that you would like to leave us with? Well, absolutely. I I have to say I appreciate you for the opportunity, space, and place to to share in Georgia, and I've I've enjoyed my time here. You put the cherry on top uh, with you as well as uh, Brother Caleb rolling out the red carpet, so to speak, um, and uh, just want to 
thank you so much for the opportunity, but also uh, uh, Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College. You know, appreciate you all as well. And got to let people know how they can get the books. You know, I like to say the revolution. Absolutely. Where can we find you and where, we, where can we get your books? Yes, indeed. I like to say the revolution will not only be televised, it'll be digitized. Yes. So go get to go get the books at my website, eddieconnor.com. Please put some respect on my name. It's <laughs> E-D-D-I-E-C-O-N-N-O-R.com. No E's or S's in my last name. But you can also get it as an audiobook, uh, paperback, or even an uh, e-book. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Audible. So there it is. Thank you so much. You've heard it here, Conversation Family. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, guys. Christoph here, and I need you to do three very important things for all of us at The Conversation Corner. Number one, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Number two, share The Conversation Corner with someone. If you think the conversations we have are worth sharing, don't hesitate sharing this content with your circle. Number three, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Conversation Corner Podcast and also Twitter, at The Convo Corner. Thank you for being a very, very special part of the Conversation Corner family. Stay positive, strive to do and get better every day, and work towards building the life you want. Together, we can make the world a better place, one conversation at a time.